More of the same for the Pelicans in their loss to the Miami Heat, and things are starting to feel like Groundhog Day here. But the good news is there's a positive update about Brandon Ingram, which might flip the script. Plus, that final shot by CJ McCollum, a good or a bad attempt? Let's break it all down in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go! You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans at NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, not starting off the way we would have liked for the New Orleans Pelicans, despite... Fighting and getting a big lead in the first half, falling to the Miami Heat 100-96. to Pretty rough second half, and in particular, third quarter after being up by as many as 16 points. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team, the good, the bad. We talked about trade targets. We've looked at why maybe they shouldn't make a trade with salary tax, uh, salary cap and luxury tax concerns, and that might complicate things. And we'll have more trade targets throughout this week, too, as the Pelicans hit a really tough stretch of their schedule. But the good news is, Brain Ingram might, might be coming back sooner rather than later. Finally, I'll give you the update here in just a second. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. So before we get to Brandon Ingram, let's start with the final shot of this game. Pelicans down two have a chance to go out there and either tie or win, and. What they ended up doing was a CJ McCollum three with about seven, eight seconds left on the, on the game clock left in the game. So not quite playing for the final shot. And I've seen people, the reactions kind of mixed on this, you know, it, it, First and foremost, it's a clean look. It's a really clean look. There is no defender in front of CJ McCollum. There's no defender in front of CJ McCollum. That's kind of important. You know, if anyone's going to get an open look, you on, on the court right there, you wanted to be CJ McCollum, despite the fact that he wasn't shooting well in this game. Five of 16 from the field overall, that's 31.3%. Before that shot, he was just two of seven from three, finished two of eight from three after missing that for just 13 points. Not a good night for him. Wasn't getting to the line whatsoever. Had seven turnovers. We'll get into that stuff in the next segment with kind of the flow of the game and what happened, how the Pelicans build the lead, how they lose that lead, I think is important to look at. We'll get into that next. Look, with the limited offensive options for New Orleans, out there on the court, you had CJ, you had Trey Murphy, you had Herb Jones, who inbounded the ball, I think, or Dyson did, one of those two. I think it was Herb. And then you had Devontae Graham and Larry Nance Jr. out there. Of those five guys that were out there, who do you want taking the shot? Maybe Trey? You know, do you want Devontae Graham taking that, given how he's played recently? He was two of six from three in this one. It's not like that's a whole lot better, and he's been shooting really poorly from three over the past two months or so. It's probably CJ, and CJ with no defender in front of him after he shook the defender that was guarding him. 
I don't know. It's it's a clean look. That's a shot he often hits. It's just he missed. Kind of as simple as that. You know, you could argue they should play till the final second, certainly. But are you going to get a better look than a, a good three-point shooter who's been shooting close to 50% for the past two months from three? I don't think so. Saying you want to work the ball around or do something like that, there's no guarantee you're going to get a better look than a completely wide open three. You know, sometimes we don't need to overthink this and you can go by the results or you can kind of go by the shot attempt. The result was a miss. The shot attempt itself, I do think was good. You know, trying anything else, I think might've been tricky. New Orleans had 24 turnovers in this. There's a very realistic world where they don't even get a shot attempt off in this if they try and do something more other than CJ just taking the first good one that he got. You know, you could maybe put in Jonas Valanciunas, who on the surface had a really good game, 14 points, 16 rebounds, 7 of 14 shooting, but six of his points came off of offensive rebound tippins. You probably don't have enough time for something like that to really happen. So if he had just eight total points that weren't kind of put back offensive rebound plays, I don't necessarily trust them to be able to get him the ball in the first place right? This isn't like he had 40, so you got to get it to him and he's, he, he's kicking it here, right? This is a team that was turning the ball over left and right, particularly in the second half. You know, if you get him the ball, can, can you get him the ball is the big question. And I don't know. And so when you factor in all of that, I think the CJ McCollum shot attempts fine. It was a good look. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. It would have been nice if it went in. And if it did, we all would have been saying, oh my God, look, he shook the defender, took the wide open shot. It's not CJ Hero Ball. They were just another good options really for what New Orleans could have done. You know, prior to that, the refs definitely got that Dyson Daniels inbound call, five second call, completely blown. Not great. It was completely wrong. Ended up not mattering much due to Dyson's heroics. And we'll get into him more in the third segment where he forced the jump ball, where he won the jump ball. And it ended up being three seconds later and the Pelicans got the ball for an inbound back in the same spot. But man, those little things, refs not being great. And then really the the biggest thing, I think the biggest takeaway from this game was before the game. And that's when we got an update from head coach Willie Green about Brandon Ingram. And it was that he has participated in five on five. On the Thursday show last week, I gave you the schedule of what it would look like when they will be practicing, when we could see him make his return. And I said they were going to practice in Miami on Saturday. The Pelicans did that. They had a five on five workout and Brandon Ingram played. He was going to at least need to go through one of those before coming back. In theory, that means maybe he could play Tuesday or Wednesday in the back-to-back set that the Pelicans have against the Denver Nuggets and then the Minnesota Timberwolves. Or maybe more likely, they're going to practice. So they have the game Tuesday, Wednesday. They're going to be off Thursday would be my guess. They'll practice Friday, have a game Saturday in New Orleans against the Washington Wizards before flying to go play the Milwaukee Bucks. If there was a game that I think I would guess he would play in, at the very least, it's going to be that Wizards game. Maybe they want him to go through one more five-on-five, see how his toe feels, how his toe responds, and if it holds up, you know, maybe he wants to go out and play, and that would maybe be the game, I think, that they would target for that. But him getting a five-on-five scrimmage in, is the biggest hurdle. So while we're going to talk about next the script that we've seen from New Orleans again and again and again, there's reasons to at least hope or start to believe that that script will change soon because adding Brandon Ingram back into this team really fixes a lot of the offensive problems that we've seen from them. Let's talk about those offensive problems in defensive problems too. Coming up here next in today's episode 
of Locked On Pelicans. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You want to take Dyson Daniels to have more than three steals? Feels like he could do that. Three and a half steals could do that on any given night. He was awesome in this game. So I love prize picks. You can take those Dyson Daniels props and any other prop you want. And uh, prize picks is super easy. Two to six players and you get to see the projected numbers. And if they go score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And the best part is you're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch, the NBA, the NFL postseason, whatever it is. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They also offer safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. You deposit 100, Prize Picks will give you 100. You deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget, enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all. No one else is coming to you like this. No week between shows or anything like that. 20, 25 minutes per episode. Perfect for your morning commute while you're working out. Whenever you just need to catch up on what's going on with the Pelicans team. And I did that whole episode on the luxury tax, which I find super insightful because it's important to really consider what they might do and factor in the long-term implications if they do nothing at all. We're not just throwing fake trades out there to get clicks and things like that. We're looking at the real important things around the team. Give that episode a listen, but subscribe to Locked on Pelicans because that's the content that we provide here for you. So let's talk about the Pelicans losing to the Miami Heat 110-96. This game followed a very familiar script. Very, very, very familiar script. The Pelicans get out to a first half lead, maybe by double digits. It was 16 in this case through kind of like sheer determined, inspiring play from a bunch of guys that are playing better than they really should be. And then in the third quarter, they really start to blow it. And either the game's tied going into the fourth quarter or soon into the fourth quarter, the game gets tied. And then down the stretch, the final five minutes, clutch crunch time, you know, the Pelicans fall apart. They fade. They don't close. They don't get to drink coffee, right? They, which is kind of, I didn't even think about that joke with Jimmy Butler and the big head coffee and everything from the bubble. It's happened over and over again. You can see it coming, right? A couple of reasons here. I see a lot of people say, well, they got a first half lead. They should be able to hold it. No, that only goes so long. They have a bunch of role players trying to play larger roles than they're used to, than they're really capable of, and maybe they can do that for a short period of time. But over the right timeline, which tends to be four quarters, not two quarters, the talent's going to win out in the end. And that's what you're seeing here big time when it comes to the Pelicans. In the fourth quarter, there's a talent mismatch and New Orleans loses because of that. There's a couple of games against subpar competition where they're able to keep up. But against a good team like the Miami Heat, the Nets, the Mavericks, the Cavs, the Celtics, we could go on and on and on. Even the Orlando Magic, they start to fall apart. And that's just how it goes, unfortunately. Now, maybe it'll change with Brandon Ingram back, and I certainly think. But when you look at this game and the Pelicans getting that 16-point lead, if you felt real good about their chances in the second half... You were looking at the wrong things, and I think that first half was big-time fool's gold for New Orleans. Here's what happened in that. New Orleans, so here's the problem for New Orleans, right? 
They don't have enough offense. They don't have enough offense with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson out. And that's just like a fact. Those 50 points in street clothes that you don't have two other guys that can equate to those 50 points or anything like that, right? When you look at New Orleans in this game, no one scored 20 or more. Not one single person. The leading point score for the Pelicans in this game was 17 points. That's not particularly great. And we've seen that over and over and over again. They don't have enough offense. Yet they did in the first half. And it was largely because their defense was really active. Their defense was really good. And it was forcing a lot of Miami Heat turnovers. And then New Orleans, on those turnovers, got out and ran. They scored 17 fast break points, right? You get a steal and you get you run in transition and you get easy, efficient offense. When you kind of break down the most efficient shots in the game in terms of point per shot, right? They... the the most efficient shot first and foremost is going to be a free throw attempt. Then it's a shot at the rim. Then it's a three pointer. And then it's like anything in transition. Transition can actually be higher than that. And you could argue that it's the most, the most efficient type of offense. It's different than shot attempt, but it's up there. So New Orleans getting in fast break opportunities, getting out and running and getting 17 points in the fast break is massive. That's huge. And that's why they were able to build a big lead because Miami was turning the ball over. And then they got easy points from it. They just got cheap, easy points and piled them onto the Miami Heat. And they built a 16-point lead because of it. That's great. If you need to try and score and your half-court offense is bad and you're capable of running in transition, go, go run in transition. That's an easy way to make up for an offensive deficit. And I think it worked. But in the second half, when the Heat adjusted, that became a big problem for New Orleans, and they didn't do the same thing. In the first half, you could see they were keeping an eye on wherever Jimmy Butler was. And as the Heat tried to get the ball down low to Jimmy Butler, they had someone in the way to poke the ball loose and force a turnover. And they stopped doing that for much of the second half. And so Miami stopped turning the ball over and Miami started scoring, even though they weren't shooting particularly well. Neither team did. This wasn't, you know, a great offensive game. The Pel- neither the, the Heat were 8 of 34 from 3. The Pelicans were 8 of 30. Both of those numbers are really bad. The Heat shot 43.8% from the field. That's a bad number, too. But as they weren't turning the ball over, they were able to get just enough offense. And now New Orleans isn't able to score in the half, in transition, and they have to play in the half court. And all of a sudden, the Miami defense, not having to defend in transition and doing what they do best, playing zone, getting there, and just kind of mucking things up, loved it. And it allowed them to force New Orleans now into an absolute ton of turnovers. And that became a big problem. So New Orleans now is starting to get some completely empty possessions in this game. And the offense just kind of ground to a halt for the most part compared to what we had really seen from them through that first quarter in particular. And the Heat ended up kind of evening that number in terms of fast break points, 21. And so all of a sudden, that wasn't the big advantage that New Orleans once had. And New Orleans, despite all those Miami Heat turnovers in the first half, ended up finishing with 24. He had 21. 24 is a terrible number. Pelicans had 17 points in the fast break in the first half. They had just nine the rest of the way. 
in the second half. There's a disparity there. You could argue that's why they lost the game. Not being able to generate some easy offense because of the defensive miscues and for whatever reason, not playing Jimmy Butler the same. And then the Heat just kind of making some more shots at times. You know, the Heat make a shot, their defense gets back, gets set, and causes big-time problems for New Orleans. You know who fixes something like that? Another offensive guy in there. Brandon Ingram. Zion Williamson. Both, ideally. It just takes the pressure off. And in the second half, you saw the Miami Heat adjust their defense to really put more pressure. They kind of did it at the end of the second quarter, really, right? right going into halftime where the Pelicans had five straight turnovers that really cut that lead down. You know, they started throwing two at C.J. McCollum. They were going to let anyone else beat them. They were going to let anyone else beat them. And the Pelicans don't have the ability to do that. They just don't have another guy right now that can step up and do that. You know, Trey was 6 of 11. Getting downhill in transition, scoring, and when they kind of snuffed out the half-court offense, the Pelicans looked really rough, really bad. And that's where the game turned. They had yeah, tw- uh, 12 turnovers in each half. You know, five of those came at the end of the first half for New Orleans. It's just, you know, they really had seven till the very end right there. It was just rough offensive basketball because no one's a threat no one can space the court that's why when you get cj mccollum getting a wide open three just take it just take it there's nothing else that needs to really be set but the way the Pelicans offense had gone take a wide open three cj i think it's the right call but that's what happened here and hopefully brandon ingram coming back is going to change it but what the way this game went how they blew the lead why it happened in the first place made a ton of sense you, you could easily have seen this coming. You just hope you have a big enough lead in the first half to weather the storm that other teams are going to go on when the Pelicans start to inevitably fade. You're missing Zion and B.I. We don't need to overthink this, right? Those guys are so good. They're so important. You know, other players have caps and limits, whereas those two feel like they're unlimited, uncapped players. There's no ceiling. It's disappointing. <laughs> You know, you hear almost the laugh in my voice there as a defense mechanism. Hopefully they can turn it around. You know, it's not going to be easier on Tuesday when you play the number one seed in the West in the Denver Nuggets that they've beaten them. Maybe Jose goes for 37 points or something like that. Again, they really need someone to just explode, but I don't think counting on that is the way to go right now. So let's look at Dyson Daniels, Larry Nance Jr., who both played excellent games, a couple other bright spots for the Pelicans. Coming up here next in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans, but I am excited, really excited for this one. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. The NBA regular season is here. And we're really excited to tell you about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. I downloaded the app. The app is beautiful. The app is easy to use. It works in Louisiana. I'm excited about FanDuel being a sponsor here. New customers, join today and get started with a $150 with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to the point spreads to all the player props. You can make those three-guy parlays, CJ over two threes made, right? Dyson Daniels, three or more steals, whatever it is you can want and when you think is going to happen in that game, 
Go put some money down on it with FanDuel. Make it a little bit more interesting. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a big chance with that same game parlay. Pelicans were plus 7.5 in this game. You would have won money if you bet on them. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So whether you're an NFL playoff fan, whether you're an NBA fan, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL and Locked On. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know. And now for your second listen, get caught up around the NBA. Go listen to Locked On Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, I do a minute video after every Pels game. The Heat guys did a minute video as well. All those minute videos get combined into one show, taking you around the league with the home and the way, the winner and loser perspective of every game. It's the local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Make it your second listen today. Okay, we are talking about the Pelicans losing to the Miami Heat 196 offense. Just like as I hit my mic here, going splat, right? Like that's what happens. They don't have enough right now. And it might not be easy to trade for someone when you factor in the luxury tax concerns. Go give that show a listen from Friday. But there were some good performances in this. Dyson Daniels looked like a damn hero out there at times, despite not really putting up gaudy offensive numbers. Just 11 points on the night, one of four shooting from deep. But that dude just makes some plays. Seven rebounds, which were key. He had six assists trying to set up teammates, including some really nifty passes on the move. One to Jonas Valanciunas, one to Larry Nance Jr. as well. And just does the little things. He was a menace defensively. I'm shocked that they're only crediting him with two steals because it definitely felt like he had more. He had a block in this game too. And just the hustle plays that he makes. One, he called the timeout in time. He absolutely called the timeout in time. He then, after getting screwed over by the ref, goes up and just makes a heck of a play to contest the ball and force a jump ball with Jimmy Butler, and then immediately wins the jump ball against Jimmy Butler, and the Pelicans have a chance to tie or win the game. Just plays like that constantly. His defense is really good. You see moments when he throws clamps on guys. He needs to grow offensively, absolutely. But we knew that going into this year, that was going to be the struggle for him. He was defensively ready for the NBA, and you hope the offense will come at time. in time. You don't really look for a rookie to necessarily contribute like this. The fact that he's starting getting minutes like he is is really a credit to him in the injuries and the level of defense that he brings because he is good. He's got good size, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, makes all of the hustle plays. You just have to love what you see from him. The offense will come at times. They could use it right now, but I think that's unrealistic from him. He, he's been great. Occasionally makes a rookie mistake. You've seen that. But I think as part of the process, he's probably ahead of schedule defensively from where we thought he would be. Still loving the pick, thinking he's going to make a real big impact here in New Orleans. Larry Nance Jr. in this game I also thought was very, very impactful as well. 12 points, seven rebounds, four assists, four steals, one block, just kind of doing everything down low. New Orleans needed someone else to get up and score, and Larry Nance Jr. really tried to provide that. Little running baby jump hooks you saw from him a couple of times, realizing they were really protecting the rim of Miami Heat with Bam Adebayo, using that space that he had to just kind of put up the shot 
and it went in. You know, I think that's part of why he was in there as at the final possession is maybe you trust him from the mid-range a little bit more than JV or to give you a little bit more versatility or someone out on the perimeter, maybe the Heat feel they need to try and defend even though he was down low on that final shot attempt. You know, I, I don't fault Willie Green for putting him in over Valanciunas. It was very clearly going to be a design three, it seemed like, for CJ and go for the win on the road, too. He was good, though. You know, I, I don't have a problem with anything Larry Nance Jr. has done in this game. He's had a couple of, you know, rough games. He hasn't been himself. He's definitely been injured, too, with that shoulder injury that's very clearly still lingering. But it was nice to see him really kind of make his mark on this game. And if he can kind of carry that forward, I think. New Orleans can get off of this losing streak hopefully sooner rather than later. Those were the two real big standout performances that you saw. Jackson Hayes had a couple of nice plays too. A big monster dunk, but also some real rough plays as well. Three turnovers from him throwing the ball away twice, I think it was, that I don't understand what was going on there, but still shows you like the potential he has, just still struggling to put it all together. And then, of course, you had Devontae Graham, who... Not shooting well, still not shooting well. One of his threes was a heave at the end of the first half that counted. He was two of six from the field. He was one of five otherwise. But man, he had five steals in this. He was just in the right place, making the right kind of defensive play and active with his hands. And I loved it. His minutes were actually really good. If he gives you that type of defensive effort, which I don't know if you can count on all the time in the half court, with a little bit more shooting, he becomes much more playable. And you don't need to then ask about changing the rotation a little bit in this one. But his minutes were good. Hopefully he can kind of use that as momentum going forward. And we'll see what the Pelicans can do on Tuesday as they take on the Denver Nuggets. So another show tomorrow. Maybe we'll look at trade targets for the Pelicans because it feels like there's a big sense of urgency here right now. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with y'all tomorrow.